Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From The Recount, I'm Rena Ninen, and you're listening to The Recount Daily Pod. Today's Thursday, July 22nd. You're a person who is struggling to say, I'm struggling in a society that sees mental health as both a weakness and a failure. It becomes this really heavy thing to come out and say. That's Dr. Jessica Gold, Assistant Professor, Department of Psychiatry at Washington University in St. Louis. As we think about elite athletes in Tokyo right now, on the eve of the opening ceremony of the Olympics, we want to dig into the issues of their mental health. We'll get into that a little bit later, but first, your morning headlines. Senate Republicans rejected an effort to move forward with the bipartisan infrastructure deal. It's a key priority for President Joe Biden. Supporters are hoping that they'll get another chance next week. Republican senators said they want to see the bill's total costs and also how it'll be paid for first. Senator Mitt Romney told reporters that 10 Republicans have signed a letter addressed to Senator Schumer, indicating that they are prepared to move the legislation forward on Monday. According to the CDC, U.S. life expectancy fell by a year and a half last year due to the pandemic. It's now 77.3 years, the lowest since World War II. For Black and Latinx communities, the decline was even steeper at three years. Severe flooding in Zhengzhou, China, trapped residents in the subway system and stranded them at schools, apartments, and offices. At least 25 people have died. Experts say it was the heaviest rain in a thousand years. Shocking videos of the flood appeared online, showing the water gushing into the subway system. Similar scenes of flooding were reported in the streets of at least a dozen other cities, as reservoir and dam levels across the region breached warning levels. Over 100,000 people have been forced to relocate. This comes on the heels of last week's devastating floods in Europe, which killed over 180 people. And now to our daily deep dive. Most of us have jobs that come with a stockpile of sick days to use whenever we feel unwell. That also includes our mental health. It's not the case for elite athletes, many of whom will be in Tokyo competing at the Olympics starting tomorrow. 
And today we're speaking with Dr. Jessica Gold, Assistant Professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Washington University in St. Louis. She's gonna help us dig into all of this. Jesse, welcome. Thanks for having me. So I wanna start off talking to you a little bit about Naomi Osaka. She decided to pull out of the Wimbledon tournament, citing her mental health. In an article you wrote about Osaka, you said this, and I'm quoting, the real person who trivialized mental health isn't Osaka, but the people who questioned her in the first place. Why can't athletes, elite athletes, talk openly about mental health? I think a lot of ways it's the reason that most of us can't talk openly about mental health, which is that this culture and the society is just doesn't value mental health the same way it does physical health. Mental health is this whole other beast of a thing for people where people say, okay, like physical health is real. Physical health is something tangible. I understand physical illness, but mental health sometimes and most of the time is invisible to people. So mental health is this thing that has been really stigmatized in society for a really long time, is seen as a weakness, is seen as a failure. If you're an elite athlete, you are basically the epitome of someone who does not fail and is not weak, is quite strong, in fact. And you represent that to a lot of people. And you're this, I hate to use the word like hero, but sort of like somebody, at least a role model that people look up to. So if you're a person who is struggling to say, I'm struggling in a society that sees mental health as both a weakness and a failure, it becomes this really heavy thing to come out and say. You know, according to the International Olympic Committee, there's research that shows from 2019, mental health disorders affect up to 35% of elite athletes at some point in their career. Why are these sports not prioritizing mental health? Yeah, that's a lot. That's a big number. I mean, I think if you knew that many people were struggling, you'd imagine that you would feel a lot less alone. I think that it's so hard when you're struggling and you feel so by yourself in it because nobody's talking about it that you just feel like something must be wrong with you. You look at sports, it's just not been something that's been on their mind. They see injury, they see physical injury and say, okay, somebody can't do sports because they broke their arm, they hurt their shoulder. And they say, okay, we can rehabilitate that. We understand that. I think mental health has just not been something that they have taken the time to understand, really understood over time how they can help maybe feel like pretty at a loss for what their role is in. And I think have just sort of left on the wayside and don't really think about how much it impacts what an athlete does and how they perform and how much it's just as important to like day-to-day performance and especially game day performance as anything else. I think the NBA is a good example of an organization that has really taken time to realize that and has prioritized mental health and incorporated mental health and said, okay, actually our athletes really need us to be talking about this. And they might not talk about this unless we put it in front of them and tell them they should be thinking about this and should be talking about this. Yumi Osaka wrote in a Time Magazine article earlier in July saying that athletes are humans. Tennis is our privileged profession. And of course there are commitments off the court that coincide. But I can't imagine another profession where a consistent attendance record, she goes on to say, I've missed one press conference in my seven years on tour, would be so harshly scrutinized. And she says, I feel uncomfortable being the spokesperson or the face of athlete mental health. She came forward on this. Other athletes, even in the tennis world, were slow to sort of stand up and say anything about this. Is this generational? What do you think we can learn from what Naomi Osaka did? And do you think it'll make a difference in the sports world? 
I think there is some degree of generational belief and mental health or understanding of mental health that has changed over time. A lot of our beliefs, honestly, have changed over time with generations. But I think we're a lot more open to talking about emotions and feelings and their role in our life than, you know, maybe older generations. But I do think it's important for people to remember that even if we're more open to talking about it, those people are still our fans, our parents, our counselors, the people we go to. So those things still like get in our minds and are still the people we might go to for help when we're struggling initially. So if you're struggling and you go to your parent and your parent says, suck it up, you might then incorporate that into your way that you perceive stuff. So even if we are a little bit more open and we can talk to our friends about this more than other generations, I do think those like mindsets are still quite pervasive because they exist and, you know, enough people believe them that we care about and that we look up to that and that influence our mindset and our lives that can still influence us. You know, having someone like Naomi Osaka say like enough is enough, um, I think is really important. People tend not to stand up for themselves. They tend not to make boundaries like that and say, I just can't and I'm not going to and you can't make me. And that means that they then can't do the thing that they love or their sport or the thing they make money off of. You know, it's very hard to say, like, this is what's good for me and I'm doing this no matter what you say or do. And that example is not something that probably everybody can do because there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into that that most people can't make in their lives. But to be a model to say like, this is something we need to be thinking about and jobs need to be aware that mental health matters and that it really does interfere with our day-to-day life. And if people are telling you they're struggling or people are asking for help, they're not making it up. They shouldn't have to prove to you all the time that they're struggling so much. And just because people put on a happy face and can do work or can do sports because As an elite person, that's often the last thing to go. So like sports are the thing that she's probably able to do sort of like rotely, like she just goes and does it. And that's the last thing that'll be affected. Or for somebody who's really good at school, that can often be the last thing to go. Like I see college students and they come and they say, I can't be struggling. My grades are good. But everything else in their life is really not and their symptoms aren't right. And the same with work, like you could be doing great, but your work could be fine. And just because like you don't see it or these like measurable things that we think measure performance or, you know, wellness doesn't mean that someone's not struggling. Most of the people listening today aren't elite athletes or Olympic athletes. But what do you think the takeaway is as we look at this? You know, in your article, you say we might not all relate to press conferences and tennis matches, but we can relate to not knowing if we deserve to put ourselves first. What does it mean to put yourself first? And why do you think that's so important? Yeah, we're not taught to do that at all. I mean, I'm speaking from a person who's a woman, which is a, a particular group that's not good at it. And I'm a white woman. And so there's an additional barrier for women of color and, you know, all these other intersexual identities that make it even harder. And I think we're just not taught to say that you matter in an equation. We're taught to say that, you know, these are the things I'm supposed to do. These are my responsibilities. I have to take care of the kids. I have to go to work. I have to, you know, be the best in all these facets of life. And then if I still have time for me, I have time for me. And that's not the way to actually survive, because frankly, if you don't put yourself in that equation, all the other things are not going to be as good as they should be. And all the other things will eventually fall, right? So we have to be able to say, I need to figure out like how I'm feeling. We honestly don't stop and say like, how am I doing? 
And I think that's a really important part of the thing, which is to say, like, when you wake up in the morning, how are you doing at lunchtime? How are you doing when you go to bed? How are you doing? For the most part, you've never even asked yourself that because you're just doing all the things for everybody else and all the things you're supposed to be doing. And you'll do that until you can. And it's really important instead to pause and say, how am I doing? And if the answer is like, not well, then you need to figure out what you can be doing to be doing better. Well, we have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with Dr. Jessica Gold on the Recount Daily Pod. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Welcome back to the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. We're here with Dr. Jessica Gold, assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Washington University in St. Louis. We all know the story of Shakari Richardson, who tested positive for marijuana and unfortunately won't be allowed to compete in the Olympics this year. She talked openly about struggling after her biological mother died, not knowing how to cope. There are, you know, What are the ways that we can support people who are going through traumatic or difficult times? In many ways, I feel all of us are going through difficult times, trying to process the point that we are in life. That story was very hard for me because we hate to say that people that are that age are kids, but they're still kids. And the way that they react is not always the way that, you know, is the best for them in the moment, or they might know the rules and they might still break them, right? Because they're just doing what they need to do to feel better. But I think, you know, we are all really in a place in time where 
we've had all of these little changes that have compounded whatever we had in our own systems before that, that have just made it so the whole world is full of people who are struggling. And I think what we can most do is a couple things. One is, I think, not assuming that we know where people are coming from, especially this year, and not assuming that we all have the same experiences. And when we actually see people back in the workplace or see people that we haven't seen in a while, we ask them how the pandemic's been for them and actually mean it before we make an assumption that it was easy for them. Because for the most part, we have no idea what somebody's been through. And they might not want to tell you, but at least if you ask, you aren't going with the assumption that everybody's fine. Because it's usually not true. I think that's an important part of it. I think being aware that most people just want you to listen, they don't want you to give solutions, is also really important with friends and family. We always really, really want to solve things for people. And I get it because like, I'm in a profession where people are really struggling. And I can tell you in the pandemic, like one of the hardest things for me was people coming with things and just knowing that for the most part, I couldn't fix anything that people were struggling with. And you get in this part where you're like, I'm not helpful, but it is really helpful just to be present and be there for someone just as much as it is to fix something for someone. So most of the time when people are telling you what they're struggling with, they just want you to say like, this is what I'm struggling with. And listen, I think sometimes people could also use help like getting to help. We often don't ask people what could be helpful for us to do as friends or family when people are struggling. But when people are in that moment where, you know, what seems like a good coping mechanism is the quick coping mechanism, like something like a substance, when really they could want to like go do something with us, like an activity that could distract them. Or maybe they want actual connection to mental health services, but they're sad and they're anxious and all of those symptoms make it so they can't really get mental health services because they're too sad to actually have the energy to call all those people and make appointments or they're too anxious to do the same. And as a friend or a family member, you can say, would it help you if I helped you get help? And a lot of times people will say yes, but I think you have to ask and not just do it. I think that's the part that people don't like. So I think all of those things can be good ways to be supportive of people. A lot of coping skills can be done with other people, you know, walking, exercise class, yoga, learning how to meditate. They don't need to be done alone. And I think you can really help people that way too. I want to ask you uh, about Simone Biles, because so often we don't talk about athletes who had to overcome trauma and difficulties and, and still manage to get the gold and hit their mark. Simone Biles is the only gymnast who's still competing from the days of Larry Nasser, the team doctor for USA Gymnastics, who sexually abused his way through generations of girls. Rather than hiding it, she was very open and and she's really become among the brightest stars of the game. What do you see when you look at Simone Biles and you see someone who has been able to really get in there and nail it every time despite going through this incredible mental trauma? I think it's really important for people to see that you can go through some of the most unspeakable, most challenging hardest things you could probably ever imagine somebody goes through and not ignore it, actually get treatment and help for it and actually still be fine and do what you love, right? Like he didn't take away what she loved, even though what she loved was very much like poisoned by him and could have really been taken away from him. And I think that's really important because people can have all of these things in their life 
and say, well, I don't like to do that anymore because I did that with this person and that person's not in my life anymore and they were traumatic. It shows that treatment can work. And I think if she never got treatment and sort of was just powering through, I would say, well, I'm sure she has a lot of stuff she hasn't dealt with. And that's probably hard for people to see. But because she's so open about how she's talked about it, how she's dealing with it, how it's not easy. I think it's important for people to see that like trauma therapy is long and hard and complicated and never an easy, short path, but it can work and people can feel better and you can get back to life the way you want it to be. And you can still be like at the top of your game at the top of the world, right? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. You talk about there's an emotional wellness component that we need to focus on. What is emotional wellness? How do we achieve emotional wellness? Yeah. I mean, I think it's sort of defined by you in a lot of ways, but I think people look at it like some degree of like mix of all of their realms of their life being in sync. So like that might be work, that might be social, that might be spiritual, and in all of those realms of life, being able to do what you want to do within them. And I think feeling well is being able to say, like, I want to be doing this stuff and nothing that I'm struggling with is interfering with the things that I want to be doing. And that can be in any of those realms of life. But we often have so many things that interfere and that can happen for a day, obviously. But when it happens for a long time, that's when it starts to become more of a problem. And I think feeling well and being well can be so many things to different people and it can be subjective to what those areas of your life can be socially or work-wise or spiritually but being able to say like those are the areas of life that I want to be functioning in and I'm not is a way to measure how you're doing. So before you go what's the takeaway for these elite athletes and Olympians how do we process our mental health better to help us perform and and deal with the stresses that we're going through. I think what the takeaway is, is just as much as you value like fixing a physical illness and a physical ailment and getting back on the field, you should value your mental ailments and your mental health in the same way, that they're very much entwined and very inseparable and that they matter just as much, even though we've lived this life where it might not have been the case for a long time, or we might have made mental health more unmentionable. It very much impacts the way that you practice, the way that you function, the way that you succeed in the same way as having a broken bone or another injury. So we need to manage them the same way. And prevention matters just as much as intervention matters and all of the steps along the way. Dr. Jessica Gold, Assistant Professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Washington University in St. Louis. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And now to the look ahead. Here's what else we're watching today. Senate Republicans threatened to vote against an increase to the debt ceiling on Wednesday, setting Congress up for a major political showdown this fall. The Congressional Budget Office projects that the U.S. Treasury will hit the debt ceiling, which is currently at $28.5 trillion, likely sometime in October or November. Failure to raise it could carry vast implications for both the global economy as well as President Biden's agenda. Republicans blame Democrats for passing legislation that's grown the public debt. Democrats blame former President Trump's tax cuts along with COVID. The annual One Young World Summit begins in Germany today. 1,800 young leaders from more than 196 countries will come together to tackle new solutions for pressing global issues. These young leaders will be counseled by world experts, including Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and Meghan Markle. 
set your phasers to fun. Comic-Con at home is virtual this year and free to attend. This year's event kicks off on Friday and it includes interviews and panels with actors, authors, and illustrators. All of it streaming live on YouTube. Discussions include video games, art, and Mexican culture, as well as hip-hop and comics, culture combining, and black imagination. The last panel is about the intersection of African culture and technology. I've never been. This might be the year. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend, everyone. I'll see you back Monday morning. This is the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from Recount and iHeartRadio. Our thanks to Dr. Jessica Gold for being on the show. And if you like this episode, please subscribe to the Recount Daily Pod and leave a rating on the Apple Podcast app. I'm your host, Rena Ninen, Alexis Ramdow, and Corey Wara engineered and produced this podcast. Ariella Martin also produced. Fonda Mwangi did the research. And our executive producer is Laura Beatty. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.